I'm Sarah, my pronouns are she, her, and today's episode we have a special interview with Wes Chernin, an Oregon SLP, just like we are, and he's actually from my hometown of Portland, so go Portland, and he's going to share some tips with us on how to make our speech rooms more gender inclusive. And I'm Sari. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm stoked that Wes is going to be our guest today. I want my speech room to be a space where my students feel safe and loved completely for who they are, and this topic is crucial for making that happen. So let's get on to the show. And before we started the interview, we wanted to just personally share why this topic is important to us, why we believe this topic is so important to SLPs, and just a bit of personal history and information about why we connect so much with this topic of inclusive language, which is what we're going to discuss today. So I am not a person of trans experience. I don't have experience with that, but I do have some experience with exclusive language. And so I just wanted to quickly share my story, not as a comparison. And to be honest, I was nervous to share it at first um, because I don't want this to come across like I'm comparing my story with anyone else's. But I think that it's really important to for Sari and I to share a little bit about ourselves and to just highlight this point that inclusive language is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that using inclusive language includes a lot of groups that are typically excluded in our society, whether it's, you know, economic factors, cultural, racial, gender identity, or many, many more. So I also just wanted to remind those of you listening that within our lifetimes, gay marriage was legalized. And so we're all a part of a very recent experience that includes the marginalization of the LGBTQ community. Personally, I remember growing up in a very conservative evangelical Christian church where being gay was demonized. People were basically sent off to reprogramming camps, which was extremely traumatic for obvious reasons. And uh, one of the narratives within that community was that people who were gay had demons in them that needed to be driven out. So this is a practice that, or an idea that is still held in some really religious conservative communities. And outside of that, there's a lot of social conservatism that minimizes and marginalizes this community. So, of course, I have a lot of privilege in our society, but I did want to say that for me personally, there are situations where, for example, uh, my husband doesn't work, and I do, uh, where we get a lot of criticism and use of exclusionary language. Uh, I'm also adopting internationally, and so I've heard quite a few things that have really been hurtful about, you know, me choosing a kid, or why did I choose this child? Um, Also, why don't I just adopt an American child? And I think that this idea of inclusivity, listening to other people's experiences instead of judging or bringing preconceived notions in as much as possible is something that's really important to both Sari and I, and that's why we're sharing what we're sharing today. Exactly. I have wanted to do this episode for a while And the desire stems from wanting to make sure that I am doing everything I can to make 
others around me feel safe and loved. And this is a topic that I don't feel knowledgeable with. So obviously it's not something that I'm confident that I'm doing everything right. And I feel really vulnerable about it, but I want to make sure that I can do things better and I'm here to learn. And I want everyone I work with, all of my students to feel safe and loved. And I also get scared that I'm not doing enough to create an inclusive and safe environment at my school, or even with my home, that I'm not advocating enough, that I'm not speaking out enough. And I hate to think that there are children growing up in our community that may feel scared or alone and not able to express their true selves. And this isn't just for students who I serve who may be uh, transgender. This is for all of my students. And I am hoping to learn today how I can make the space that I work in, the materials I use, the forms that I use, the conversations that I use to be inclusive. I don't think I've got it down 100%. I want to learn more and take steps to get better. Yeah. And and that if we don't put ourselves out there and start talking about these things and risk being wrong or using not using inclusive language, uh, we can never get the conversation started. So that's what we hope to bring to you today. And now on to the interview. With that said, let's get Wes on the line. Hello, Wes. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Wes, I just have to say that I already feel a sort of kinship and admiration for you in part hugely because of the advocacy work that you do, but then also kind of on a personal note, because um, so much of your work is in our home state of Oregon. <laughs> and I just want you to know, I appreciate you. And I, uh, I love having a West Coaster on the line. Well, I really appreciate that. And I'm super excited and happy to be here. So before we jump in to the interview, we're going to start with a lightning round of questions. And uh, before we do that, Wes, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about your background? Yeah, so as, you, as you've already mentioned, my name is Wes, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Um, so I spend most of my days, Monday through Friday anyway, as an early childhood special education SLP. Um, so I am hopping around from preschool to preschool, house to house, and providing intervention. Um, and then on the side, I also have a small business called Q Inclusion LLC, which is a queer and trans inclusion consulting business. So with that, my business partner and I provide trainings, workshops, and consulting on transgender cultural humility, competency, and inclusion, um, not only to SLPs, but also to other educators, schools, and workplaces, and just anyone in the community who's wanting our support. Um, I really enjoy just being outside, hiking, snowshoeing, traveling, relaxing, um, and just spending time with the people that I care about. And that actually leads into our lightning round of questions really well, because the first question is, what is your favorite thing about living in the Pacific Northwest? Ooh, um, having access to both the urban life and nature so close. Um, if someone is coming up to visit you in Portland, what three things would you recommend that they see or that they do? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, one would definitely be some sort of hike, probably including a waterfall. Mm. Another would be going to a brewery, probably. Um, and number three, um, just kind of getting to check out 
the variety of neighborhoods in the city. Oh, yeah, that's a good tip. That's a fun one. I never thought about recommending that to people. That That is a, that is a really well, good one. Well, that's because we live in a small town and there's no neighborhood. <laughs> there is no there's neighborhood. There's like the neighborhood. Yeah. But yeah, no, up in Portland, there's lots of fun neighborhoods to visit. So I know that you work with the early childhood population right now. What is your favorite part about serving the little ones? I love how much play is incorporated into therapy. The kids that I'm working with, I mean, all kids, all humans really learn from play, but this age is like, that's so accepted to be playful and to learn that way. What do you feel is the hardest part about being an SLP and what is the most rewarding part for you? The most rewarding part for me is when I feel like I've really been able to connect with a student and am seeing how our work together is helping them function and communicate better in the world. Um, The most challenging pieces for me are related to working within the public education system and the barriers and um, obstacles that that creates. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. We both do this. And yes, 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 yes. Do you have a favorite go-to kids book to read with the kiddos you serve? Um, I'm going to say that my favorite right now anyway is we're going on a bear hunt. <laughs> I just, I have so much fun with that every time. And I think the kids, kids have just as much fun. That is a fun one. And another classic. All right. I've got two more questions for you. The first one is on your Instagram account, you shared a post about establishing sustainable wellness habits. And I wanted to ask you, what are some wellness habits that work well for you? Well, I am definitely still learning about what wellness habits work best for me. Um, I would say that um, definitely like being intentional about what is going into my body and how how much rest I'm getting and how much attention I'm paying to my stress level. Uh, but I'm it's something that I'm still definitely working on. We're in the same boat. We're right there with you. And that's really exactly what this podcast is about mm-hmm. for people who are exploring that question. You know, what does it mean to be a human and to be an SLP and to be able to take care of ourselves and take care of the humans we work with? Yeah. And last but not least, congratulations on receiving the 2019 Safe Schools Award from the Oregon Safe Schools and Communities Coalition. I wanted to ask you for your final question, if you could share a little bit about the work that you've done that led up to this honor. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Um, That was such an awesome and unexpected recognition. But it came as a result of me um, over the past few years, um, starting to work mostly with SLPs, but also with other educators, um, both special ed and gen ed, and a few school psychologists as well, doing trainings on transgender cultural awareness and humility and inclusion. And since we know a little bit about you, um, for now, we've we've introed the uh, topic today and we've described to our listeners that we're really going to talk about inclusive language. We've also shared that for Sari and I, uh, this 
using inclusive language and looking for other perspectives and ideas in our communication is a part of us being SLPs, but it also personally, as we build transracial families this year, we both become parents this year. Um, so I wanted to ask you, why is this topic important to you? Yeah, so as both an SLP and as a man of trans experience, I have this passion for helping folks whose voices have historically not been heard be heard. You know, we all work with people who experience barriers to communication and truly being seen and heard. And the populations that we work with as SLPs, I think, are too often minimized and marginalized and othered. And the queer experience is very relatable to this. So as we work with students, clients, and colleagues who have all kinds of intersecting identities, I think it's really important that we are creating inclusive and safe spaces for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I'm very fortunate in that I have had the chance to see you speak in person. Uh, and I really do want to encourage listeners to check out Q Inclusion. We will make sure to link to that in the show notes. And one of the things you shared is about the gender unicorn and how we can use it to understand ourselves and the people we care about. Can you share more about that and what that means? Yeah, so the gender unicorn is a visual that was created by Trans Student Educational Resources, or TSER. It's a graphic that helps the learner visualize a variety of gender and sexual identities, how they differ from one another, and how they each individually and collectively play a role in each of our identities, whether we are trans or cis. And when I say trans, what I'm referring to is transgender, which is a person whose gender identity is different from or is incongruent with the sex that they were assigned at birth. And when I say cis, I'm referring to cisgender people, um, which a cisgender person is someone whose gender identity is the same as or congruent with the sex that they were assigned at birth. So the gender unicorn helps us visualize a variety of gender identities and sexual identities. And um, I just want to briefly kind of go over what some of those are. And I would encourage listeners to... um, Google or pull up the gender unicorn to help get an even better visualization of what we're talking about. But the gender unicorn helps us visualize gender identity, which we can also just call gender. This is a person's deep-seated internal sense of being male, female, both, neither, or some other gender. So all people have a gender identity. And this identity is not necessarily visible to other people. It also helps us visualize what gender expression or presentation is, which is how a person expresses their gender through their outward presentation and behavior. So this is what we're seeing on the outside. This could be someone's name. It could be their pronouns, their clothing, their hairstyle, their mannerisms and body language, the way that they speak. And all people have a gender expression as well. Then it goes into sex assigned at birth. And this is the assignment and classification of a person as either male, female, or intersex based on their anatomy at birth. And then lastly, it goes into sexually attracted to and romantically emotionally attracted to. These are often things that we tend to clump together as someone's sexual orientation. 
But the gender unicorn even splits them up a little bit and helps us separate out that there are different types of feelings and attractions that we have towards other people. I really like the gender unicorn because it helps break down this idea of the gender binary, which is the idea that there are two distinct and opposite genders. Each gender and sexual identity is presented on its own spectrum in this visual, and each one of us falls somewhere on each spectrum. Now, for some of us, that might really mean that we're on one far end of many of those spectrums, which would be binary identities. But this visual also is very, in, in, is very inclusive and it's a tool for everyone. So I find it very humanizing and affirming and it provides this way of um, nobody being othered and everyone just is and exists yes. as they are. Yes. The gender unicorn sounds like a fantastic visual. I hope our listeners do look it up. And I, a lot of our listeners, as you know, are SLPs. And I wanted to ask you, is it the SLP's role to talk about gender and pronouns in the speech room? Yeah, so I know this can be a hot and controversial topic. Um, I know people have a lot of strong feelings about it. My feelings are this, whether intentional or not, we are all talking about gender and pronouns on a daily basis already. So gender and pronouns are built into our everyday language. As professionals and experts in speech and language, we are the ones that people turn to for expertise in language use. Mm -hmm. So I think that the biggest question to ask ourselves with this one is, are we modeling and teaching inclusive language? Um, we know how much language modeling influences language development. And we are all using pronouns throughout our day-to-day -day language. Um, this means that even when we are not explicitly teaching pronouns, we are still teaching pronouns through modeling. So I think that we're either teaching erasure or inclusion through just the language that we're using. Absolutely. Can you share what are several places where we use pronouns in our daily lives besides teaching he and she in our speech sessions? Yeah. So if you think about it, a person's name and a person's pronouns are the two most common ways that we talk to and about a person. So with that in mind, we really use pronouns all of the time. We use them when we're talking about a friend, family member, a student or a colleague, even a stranger. We use them when we're in work meetings, when we're reading books to our kids, when we're at the coffee shop, restaurant, bar, it really comes up everywhere. And now that we've identified some settings, some places we use pronouns, which is all the places and all the settings. Uh, what should we know about pronouns, meeting someone new, and using pronouns in our own communication? Yeah, so I think the thing to know is that everybody has gender-affirming pronouns. Most often, these are either she and her, he and him, or they and them. Um, and just like gender identity, a person's gender pronouns are not necessarily visible and they must be self-identified. 
So when we meet someone new, we should really be keeping this in mind. Our brains have been trained to look at someone and make assumptions about their gender and their pronoun. And what we're learning now is that gender and pronouns are not always seen from looking at the person. So this is true for people with all different kinds of gender expressions, not only someone that you might look at and view as androgynous or unsure of how they might identify. I have met people in real life who, you know, might look traditionally feminine or masculine, but do not use the pronouns that you might assume would go with that presentation. So one thing that we can do is, is start to share our pronouns with people as an invitation for them to share their pronouns with us. Um, you can also ask someone their pronouns or just use their name or use the gender neutral language like they, them, or saying y'all instead of you guys or students instead of boys and girls, things like that. Um, to misgender someone or to use uh, gendered language that is not congruent with a person's identity can um, unintentionally cause harm and trauma. So I think that it's also important to acknowledge that we are all human and we're all products of the society and the communities that we live in. So all of us, myself included, gender people without first letting them self-identify. This might not be best practice, but it is the reality of what happens a lot of the time. So while we're working towards better practices, we can just at the very least educate ourselves, demonstrate some cultural humility, and practice listening and affirmative language. We can just practice not assuming someone's identity just from looking at them or from hearing their voice. And we can be respectful by shifting our language about a person once we're told what their true identity and pronouns are. And this has me thinking just to add to that thought about the gender unicorn and imagining like a horizontal line, right? That as it goes left to right. And I think that our next question is going to lead into fear that some listeners have and a listener question about doing the wrong thing. So if we think like our education and our awareness is on this like horizontal line, it's a spectrum, right? We're trying to go towards a certain direction with our communication, but we're not going to be perfect and uh, no one is. And I think that a potential, I guess just something to think about that I've seen in myself, but other people is sometimes we're so afraid to of doing the wrong thing that we aren't talking about mm -hmm. gender and we aren't talking about pronouns and we're trying to just pretend that it's not a thing. Uh, so just considering that we're all going to make mistakes. So with that said, um, we do have a listener question based on some feedback from other SLPs. Thinking about meeting someone new, how that communication might go. So can you give some examples for like meeting a parent or coworker or some sentence frames for us? Yes, of course. Um, so one way that it can go is when I'm meeting someone new saying, hi, I'm Wes. My pronouns are he, him. It's so nice to meet you. And then moving on. 
Or it could look something more like, hi, it's so nice to finally meet you. And then when you're filling out paperwork with them um, or getting ready to write a report, you can ask them, what gender pronouns should I use for you in my documentation or my report? For example, my gender pronouns are he, him. I think that this language is, can feel very foreign and uncomfortable to people, but one of, one of my big beliefs is that connection over comfort is what builds rapport and trust and a culture of reciprocity. So if we put that, if we keep that in mind, that really we're just all human, we're trying to connect, we're trying to help improve everyone's quality of life by helping people feel seen and heard, then it's a little bit less scary. And is it ever too late to ask for someone's pronoun? At this point, I can imagine that there are some people listening, myself included, who think, oh, crud, what do I do with the people that I've known for years? It feels awkward and I'm not sure what to do. So the short answer is no. It's never too late to ask or check in with someone about their pronouns. But it's also true that for many people that you've known for years, it might not be necessary to directly ask. If you know someone really well, then you're likely using an appropriate pronoun for them. You've likely even heard them refer to their own pronoun or gender identity at some point. So think about how well you know the person. Have they shown you their pronouns through the language that they use about themselves? If you don't know them very well, or they're newer in your life, or you're just not sure that you have enough information to know their pronouns, then it's absolutely appropriate for you to ask or to share your own pronouns. Again, like it might feel awkward when it's not a first meeting and you're getting to this topic later, but you could say something like, hey, I've been learning about gender pronouns and how we can't really assume someone's pronouns just by looking at them. I know we've known each other for a while, but I've never officially let you know that my pronouns are he, him. What are yours? Again, I think this feeds into connection over comfort and just retraining our brains. Um, you have really no idea how much you might be helping somebody feel seen or safe by simply using inclusive language. And I'm going to circle back to what we were chatting about earlier was, you know, teaching he and she in lessons. And I think a couple things I've noticed, um, you know, some people will take one extreme of, you know, I'm going to teach he and she in a more culturally traditional way. Some people are coming out and saying, I'm not teaching pronouns at all anymore because I don't know what to do or I don't know if we should. Um, and it's really something that I feel like all SLPs are talking about right now. Do we teach he and she in lessons? So what is your take on teaching pronouns? Yeah. So I want to preface this first by saying, you know, that I, this is just my opinion. I am just one person. And although I have a lot of experience with this, um, there might be other people with just as much experience or more who have different ideas. But my beliefs are that teaching pronouns is part of our job. So whether, whether explicitly or implicitly, like we are definitely teaching those pronouns just because pronouns are used in our everyday language. And teaching pronouns is a good thing. Teaching he and she is part of teaching pronouns. They're important words for us to know and to use correctly, 
but I would challenge us to think about how we have historically been teaching pronouns and if this is inclusive. So I think that most of us have learned to teach pronouns by using binary gender identifiers. You know, we're teaching kids how they can look at someone and know what pronoun to use. And those pronoun options are he or she. But if we know, or if we are learning, that you can't necessarily look at someone and know their gender or their pronouns, maybe we are approaching this target from the wrong angle. I think that perhaps some of the ways that we might be able to approach this differently could be instead of teaching children how to look and know, what if we taught them how to ask and listen and then apply the correct pronoun use? Or what if we start focusing on correct grammar, you know, him versus he, instead of he versus she? What if we start adding the use of they as a singular person pronoun into the mix? If we're using photos or cartoons, Maybe we are challenging the gender stereotypes, challenging that just because this person has long hair and is wearing pink doesn't necessarily mean that it's a she. Or if we're using real people that are in the room with us, we practice that asking. And then once they tell us what pronoun they use, um, demonstrating that we can use that skill correctly. I think that when we adopt an inclusive language pedagogy, we have the opportunity to affirm everyone and we're not taking away anything from anyone. So I have a, another question for you because we have had conversations with our clients and as SLPs, we work with them across a lifespan. And I was wondering if you could share an example of how you might draw a light on pronouns, gender, or any of these topics um, with, for example, a preschooler versus a teenager or an adult. Yeah, so I think that the biggest difference is that with teens and adults, there requires some unlearning. Preschoolers are just fully invested in learning about how the world works. They are learning everything. So to me, I think that teaching about gender diverse identities is easiest with preschoolers. You know, in preschool, we can teach that colors are for everyone hairstyles are for everyone, clothes are for everyone, toys are for everyone, for anyone that likes those things. And we can teach that most people are either a he, a she, or they. We can read books and use they for one of the characters' pronouns. We can ask them about their identities through play and art and other age-appropriate ways. I don't really know what it's like to work as an SLP with teenagers or adults. So I feel like I would need to engage in some deeper discussions with folks who are in that position. And I think too that the ways in which that we might bring light to this topic are so dependent on the community that the client is a part of. So, you know, I live in an urban liberal area. So that will look really different from someone working or living in a rural conservative community. So 
We wanted to share that both Sari and I uh, have been discussing with each other and with our communities, having lots of discussions about race, because this year, as we've mentioned, we're both becoming parents. We're both building transracial families. So as we think about this, we're thinking about uh, specifically the question I asked earlier, how some people are are hearing about pronouns and thinking, oh, no, we're just not going to talk about it, not going to teach it, right? So with race, for me, I can speak for myself, it's really important to me that we speak about race to all children, including white children, right? We don't only talk about race to children who are racial minorities. So I would assume that the same goes for gender. We want to talk about gender to all children. Um, So will you talk a little bit about identity and parenting and kind of having these continued discussions over time? Yeah, so... I do think that it's really important that it's not just trans kids that are thinking about the diverse experiences and expansiveness of gender, but that cis kids are too. I think some of the ways we can do that are by um, using some of the examples I said before about how we can um, talk with preschoolers about this type of stuff. You know, every child has a gender identity And it shouldn't only be the marginalized ones that are aware of that. Every identity is normal and it's human. And there's still a lot of work that we need to do in order for society at large to really normalize and humanize the wider variety of identities. And I am not a parent, but if we haven't had to think much about our own gender identity or sexual orientation, or race, it's likely because our gender identity, sexual orientation, or race are in the majority. We're part of the group that society has been built for, and we are very privileged in that. There's nothing wrong with being that, being in that privileged group, being in the majority, but it does come with some power and responsibility, I think, Um, we have this amazing opportunity to teach our children so much more than what we were taught as kids. I think that everyone should have access to the language that they need to talk about their identities. And the more that we expose our children to all of the beautiful ways that humans can be, the more that we humanize marginalized people and allow avenues for our kids to safely find and express themselves. So if someone is listening in and thinking, wow, I haven't been doing what I'd like to be doing, or I've been doing some things quote unquote wrong, although we're all learning, right? What are a few things we can do right now, changes we can make in our therapy world or our personal world, or maybe some conversations we can have right now to get started, to implement some of the changes and some of the ideas that we've discussed today? I think a really great place to start is simply adding your pronouns to your email signature and your social media accounts. We can also talk to our people, our circles, about what we are learning, just having those discussions. And then also pinpointing one thing that you can do right away that you think would make your therapy practice more inclusive. So some ideas 
that I can throw out there might be putting up a safe zone sign, a safe space sign, starting to use more gender neutral language, like instead of saying boys and girls, saying students, or starting to incorporate they as a single person. Just remembering how much of language acquisition comes from modeling. Or you can choose to you know, add a line onto your intake forms or evals for pronouns. I think the important thing is that we're asking ourselves, how do my students or how do my clients know that they are safe and welcome and seen in my practice? I love, I love them all. Um, Wes, do you have some resources online that we can point our listeners to if they want to learn more? And where can our listeners go to connect with you? Absolutely. So a few resources online would be genderwheel.com. This is a place for books, pronoun cards, and tools to better understand gender. The pronoun cards are not specifically made for SLPs, but they absolutely could work for that. There's also transstudent.org, which is where you will find the gender unicorn. There is welcomingschools.org, which is through the Human Rights Campaign. It's all about creating safe and welcoming schools for all children and families. And then also the buinsideout.org, which is social emotional learning curriculum for LGBTQ middle and high schoolers. And then you can find me on Instagram at lavender.slp or at q.inclusion and q.inclusion. Q Inclusion can be found at qinclusion.com. I'm so grateful for your insights and all of your tips today. As this episode comes to a close, I would like to invite you to share a self-care challenge with our listeners. This is a tradition that we've started with all of our guests, and it will be like a tip or a challenge um, that will help them to take better care of themselves in this stressful job that we do each day. Okay, self-care challenge. My self-care challenge would be to try to start each week with one clear intention. There's so much going on in each of our lives, so many things that we want to do, accomplish, get better at, but we just cannot do it all, all of the time. So choose one intention that you can focus on that week. The vast majority of the weeks do not make this a chore. Like, let this be something that anchors you for the week. When you get sidetracked or overwhelmed or stressed, you can check back in with this intention to refocus and ground you. So for example, the one that I have tried that has consistently helped make my weeks better is when my intention going into the week is to have fun with the kids. The therapy comes along with that. There's so much about the job that can get overwhelming and stressed. But if I remember to refocus on my intention to having fun playing, exploring, and being curious, my week tends to go better. So that would be my challenge. And uh, with that, that is today's show. Wes, we can't thank you enough for the work that you do and for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. So happy to be here. This interview was all about creating safe and loving, inclusive programs for those who we serve. Wes shared some fantastic tips for ways to be aware of how we use pronouns in our speech rooms and in our everyday lives, and we are so grateful to have this opportunity to share this advice with you. 
We hope this episode was helpful and you learned something along the way. If you want more from us, you can get on our list for the downloadable freebies that go with some of our episodes at slphappyhour.com newsletter. And if you sign up for that, you will be in the know whenever we have new PDFs for you. So that's today's show. We hope this episode has been a slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.